Trinity Dallas. We pray that this message will be a source of encouragement and hope in your life today. Enjoy today's message. Nancy Terry, several weeks ago we were talking about this Sunday and this message, talking about peace and the advent of peace, and the Lord really spoke to you about some things, and so won't you share with us? Thank you, Pastor Joe. I love to be up here with him. Um, yes, so I'd say in the last month, I have become much more aware of spiritual warfare. In my life personally, in our family, and just in the world around us, uh, in a way, it's changed me for the good. I am so much stronger in my prayer life as I worship with God and spend time with God and kind of rising up a lion inside of me. And so, uh, but it's been very real. So we had dinner with some friends a week ago, Pastor Terry and Susan Moore from Sojourn Church. And I was telling him about just the warfare that was going on in, in my life and our family and just things happening. So at the end of dinner, we're at a restaurant called Javier's. And um, I'm telling you, at the end, it was so anointed because Pastor Terry and Susan said, let's hold hands. So we all put our hands the center of the table. And Terry reminded us, warfare is real. The devil is after our lives to kill, steal, and destroy. And God's heart is that we have peace and joy and know his love and the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. So I'd like for you all to stand. I want to do the same thing. Something happened that night when we got home. I told Pastor Joe, having godly friends that pray the word of God over us, we held hands together. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that things started to lift off of myself and our home. I want, and it's not a scary thing. Warfare is real. Get your prayer life deeper, time in the Word, get godly friends around you to help you understand what's going on and doing things like this. Sometimes it's reading Scripture out loud together. And I'm going to take Pastor Joe's hand. Would you all take the hand of your neighbor? I want to read out of Ephesians 3 just a few verses. Believe this for not only yourself, your family, and for those of us in this room. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, that we being rooted and grounded in his love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, length, depth, and height. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus, to all generations, forever and ever. And I want to pray, Lord, strengthen us. Yes, Lord. Strengthen your church. 
strengthen us, God, where you don't only find us faithful, but you find us strong yes. and ready for battle. And I pray that not only do we learn to stand individually, but for one another, for family members, that there's an awareness going on of this warfare. The devil wants to kill, steal, and destroy. Yeah. But you came so that we have life, abundant life, and that we walk in this measure of peace that passes all understanding yes. that only you can bring us. And together, I want us to shout yes and amen. Yes, yes and, and amen. amen. Thank you, guys. Bless you. Thank you, baby. Thank you, love. Today is the second Sunday of Advent. And last Sunday, we, uh, we lit the candle of hope. The hope that the scriptures brought of the coming of Jesus Christ. Isaiah prophesied of that hope and uh, in many of the minor and major prophets. And uh, the Psalms talk about it. It brought a hope to the people of Israel and a hope to us that God was active in the past, he's active now. He will always be active. We have that hope. Today is the candle of peace. The candle of peace. And I want to talk to you about peace. Next week, we'll talk about the candle of joy. And in the final week, we'll talk about uh, the candle of love. And then on Easter Sunday evening, our Christmas, excuse me, Easter Sunday. Thank you. <laughs> Easter Sunday, I don't know what we're going to be doing yet, but it's going to be awesome. <laughs> but back to Christmas Eve, thank you, Wes. Uh, back to Christmas Eve, uh, we will light the Jesus candle and so uh, signify of his coming. Amen? Amen? Yeah. So I want to talk to you a little bit today about peace. A little bit today about peace. Here's what's interesting about the Bible. Uh, the first idea is this, is the word of God promises us peace. Now, I want to ask a question this morning. Are you at perfect peace? If anybody is here, they can take my spot this morning. They can, they can have it. I'm just telling you, there are days that I have a lot to be peaceful about, but there are other days where I'm anxious. And uh, I may be anxious two or three times in a day. And, uh, and so I know that all of us have that feeling, that thought, that worry, the anxiety, uh, the issues I mean, we live in an era that's really difficult, right? I mean, if you're getting your reality from CNN or from Fox News, you will never have peace. You'll never have peace. I mean, because uh, in the world is tribulation. And so, so the Word of God promises us peace. It promises peace. Why? Because Jesus is the Messiah but he's also the Prince of Peace. In Isaiah chapter 9, the Bible says, For unto us a child is born. That child's name was Jesus. Unto us a child is born. His name was Jesus. And then unto us a son is given. He's the Messiah. So Mary got pregnant and brought forth a child. But God in his providence gave us a son. And so, Jesus, the Messiah, is who's being spoken of here. The Bible says, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, 
Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And that is our subject matter today, the peace that the Prince brings. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there shall be no end. Talking about his government here is a nod to the kingdom of heaven and that ever-increasing kingdom and that there is a day coming when the old earth will melt away and we have a new earth, a new Jerusalem, a new life uh, in the presence of God forever and ever and ever. And so the Bible says that the increase of his government will never end. It will just be increasingly, as we become increasingly aware and knowledgeable of the sovereignty of God. And, and so his government will always increase. But along with his government increasing, will be also increasing his peace. And the more intimately you walk with God, the more time you spend in his presence and in his word, the more peace you should be growing in your life. And so the word of God promises us a peace because it promises us the prince of peace, the prince of peace. Jesus himself promised us peace. In John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus speaking to his disciples, he said this. He says, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. So let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So when we're walking in anxiety and worry and fear, we, we're not walking close enough to the Savior because he's given us and he desires to continue to give us his peace. That peace that is always increasing, is always growing. And so when we look at peace from the word of God, it's pretty clear that Jesus, the Messiah, the Prince of Peace, and Jesus' promises, his promise to give us peace have really promised us peace here on earth. It's not the peace because you have control of every circumstance. It's not the peace that comes because you are outside of the fire. It's the peace that comes in the midst of the fire, in the midst of your circumstances. It's that peace that Jesus came to give. And so the word promises us peace. Second point I want to make here this morning is this, is that the promise of peace comes with a caveat. A caveat means a condition. You know, if God's peace were just a blanket that fell on you and you stayed under that blanket, then you would never have any worry in your life. You'd never have any anxiety in your life. You'd never have any troubles in your life that were causing you to be fearful or anxious or worried or, or overly uh, duplicious. Uh, you'd never have any of those things. But what we got to understand is that, is that peace is something that comes as a result of defeating our adversaries. We're in a supernatural war, and we have many supernatural adversaries. That's the condition of the peace, that we deal with those adversaries. Several weeks ago, I was in a time of just praying, praying for the church, praying for my family, praying for us, all of us. And the Lord gave me an amazing uh, passage of Scripture. It comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 16, and it's verse 9. 
And so I'm praying. I, I didn't have this verse on my heart or anything. God just put, gave me this verse in a time of prayer. And, uh, and here's what the Lord said to me that morning. He said, uh, he said, for a great and effective door has been opened to you. And I thought, in that moment, I thought really about uh, the new campus that we have over on Herschel. Uh, and really how wonderful and great that door has been an opening to that little community over there. And, and the fact we've gone from not reaching people over there to now reaching many people over there. Uh, we have probably over 100 people from that little neighborhood who now come to Trinity Church who we were not reaching before. And uh, it's exciting. It's a great door. It's not a small thing. It's a big thing. Lots of lives uh, have been changed. People have found spiritual family. They're beginning to become disciples. They're giving their heart and their life to Jesus. I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing. And, and so a great and effective door has been opened to us there. The next part of the verse is a, a little more reality. It says, and there are many adversaries. When I was praying uh, through this verse and thinking about this verse, I, I, I was really impressed with the idea that these are not the kind of adversaries you're used to. These are not the kinds of things that you think of when you think of adversaries. Things that you thought you had under pretty much control and were doing well with in your life, maybe now you've hit a bumpy spot. Maybe it's worse than a bumpy spot. Maybe you thought, you know, your marriage was really strong and doing good, and all of a sudden you're finding strife in your home, you Worry, uh, anxiety, uh, miscommunication, offense. And, and, and what my theory and thought uh, about all this is, is that there are whole new levels of anxiety, of offense, of miscommunication, of fear, judgments, unforgiven, strife, stress. All those things are beginning to ratchet up a little bit in our lives. It's uh, pretty easy to see around Christmas time. Just go to the mall. Every one of those things I just mentioned, you will see and feel uh, as you go to the mall. Yeah, and, and as well as other things. Uh, but with new territory, as we stepped out now with the second campus, with new territory comes new devils. We used to say it like this, with new levels come new devils. And so all of us want to go up another level in our relationship with God and our intimacy with God. But with that comes a condition that we need to recognize spiritual warfare. We need to recognize it. Whether you know it or not, this morning you woke up. When you put your feet on the ground, you entered a battle. You entered a battle. Most of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And uh, because it manifests itself in physical pain. Right? I mean, if you're my age or older, uh, you got up, you think, where'd the guy go with the baseball bat? He was here somewhere because <laughs> he'd been beating me up all night long. Right? And so you know what it is to walk in spiritual warfare. If you drove your car here today, went down 75, you were confronted with devils <laughs> the whole way. It hadn't been that long ago, three or four years ago, that I was driving at 6.30 in the morning, maybe 7.30 in the morning, driving down Central Expressway, driving 70 miles an hour, no other traffic on the road. And when I crossed under Mockingbird on 75 going south, somebody pitched a brick off that went through my front window. 
Went all the way through in front of window. I got here that morning, parked my car with a massive crushed windshield, came in here, scraped the glass off my face and preached. Just because I'm not going to bow down to any intimidation by the enemy. Yeah, it may not be good. It may not be great, but I'm here. I'm standing here. Right? That's, that's our heart. That's our heartbeat. And, and so we live in, a, in, a, in, a, in an incredible era, but it's also a, uh, it is also a dangerous era. We live in a time, really, when moral confusion has reached a height. People don't know right from wrong. They don't have a moral compass. People are calling things that are good evil and calling things that are evil good. And, uh, and we're, we're just in a difficult time with moral confusion, with intolerance, with violence, with hate. And every time you turn on the news, that's what you're going to see. And if you're going to the Internet, you're going to see even more of that. So daily we hear about the enemies of God because Satan has blinded the eyes of people. And he's kept them from seeing the light of the gospel. In fact, that's what 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine upon them. And so we live in a society with people. And sometimes the news amplifies it, makes it seem like there's more of them than there are of us. But that's not true. Uh, and it makes it seem as though we're surrounded by people who've been blinded, who do not know good from evil, who do not care about what Jesus did or what he said. And we live in that season, in that time. Well, that promise of peace, the word gives us a promise that we can have peace. Jesus himself said, I give you my peace. But that peace comes with a condition. The condition is we go to war. We go to war. We go to war. We must seek peace and pursue it. Even though it's been given to us, we must take it. And how do we take it? By seeking it and by pursuing it. First Peter chapter 3, verse 10 says, For he who would love life, that's me. How many of you say, I, I want to love life? For he who would love life and see good days... Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit and let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. So if you want to have a good life, if you want to have good days ahead, then the first thing you got to tame is your tongue. That's the first thing. We can't be saying what the world is saying and expect to have peace. We can't be talking about what the world's talking about and expect to have peace. We've got to change the narrative. We've got to change the conversation. And we've got to begin to keep our lips from speaking deceit and refrain our tongue from evil. That's the way we're going to see good days ahead. And he goes on to say that we've got to seek peace and to pursue it that we find it and we continue to pursue after it, right? And, and so I'd like to give you four thoughts this morning, just very simple thoughts about what you, what we can do to seek peace and to pursue it. Here's the first one, real simple idea. Say what God says. Say what God says. 
In 1 Peter chapter 4, 11, Peter says, if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. Let him say what God says. I think this is particularly interesting because Peter is the guy that you will notice throughout the New Testament who had a penchant, a talent for, kick, for putting his foot in his mouth at the wrong time. I mean, Jesus brought him up on a high mountain one time, he and three of his buddies, and he transfigured right in front of him. And Moses showed up in the place. Moses was there. And Elijah showed up in the place. And Jesus was there. And Peter says, hey, let's build a tabernacle. And Jesus politely says, why don't you just sit down, bud, and relax. And when Peter looked around, there was no one left but Jesus. So Peter had a pension for putting his foot in his mouth, saying things that perhaps he should keep kept to himself. This weekend, I was watching college football, and uh, sadly, it's coming to an end, but we, we love college football in our house, and I saw Nick Saban this weekend. They gave a little clip of him talking to his team. Nick Saban is the head coach of Alabama. He's probably one of the best college coaches in history. And uh, he's talking to his team, and he's, they pick up the clip, and he says, okay, everybody say two. And everybody says two. Said, hey, you got two ears. Everybody say one. Everybody said one. He said, you got one mouth. He said, when I was growing up, my dad taught me that the reason I had two ears and one mouth is so that I would listen twice as much as I talked. He's looking around at everybody. I mean, this guy's just kind of backing off when he looks their way. And he says... He says, here's what I found to be true. If you're talking, you're not learning because you can only talk about something that you know. You can never, you cannot talk and learn at the same time. He said, if you want to learn, if you want to be teachable, if you want to learn, then you've got to learn to listen twice as much as you talk. This is what Peter was saying. If anyone speaks, let him speak the oracles of God. If you have, don't know what God says, then just keep your opinion to yourself. Can I just be honest with you today? Is it okay? Just to tell the truth here, just for a few minutes, just to talk about the truth, just for a minute. Some of us talk too much, right? Rather than praying for situations, we talk about situations, and rather than having the same opinion that God has, we give our own opinion as if it's going to help anything. The only thing that you can add to a conflict is by you bringing God's word to that conflict and not your opinion, your feelings, your emotions, your thoughts, or your hopes. Bring God into the equation. And so, so Peter says, if anyone speaks... You got a conflict going on? If you got something to say, make sure it's backed up by the Word. Make sure it's of the same spirit and life that the Word is, right? Or else, don't say anything. Don't say anything. If you want to seek peace and pursue it, you got to tame the tongue. And most of us talk too much about too many things. Do you still love me this morning? Are you okay? All right. Okay, fantastic. So how do we seek peace and pursue it? Say what God says. Number two, how do we seek peace and pursue it? We deploy and use the weapons of our warfare. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, 
we do not war according to the flesh. Getting angry, shouting, screaming, hollering, being violent, none of that helps. None of that helps. Being intimidating, that does not help. Manipulation does not help. That does not help. That just prolongs the problem or it inflames it. It does not help. So we've got to learn what is it that we need to be doing in order to engage the enemy successfully. And Paul writes about it. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal. They're not fleshly. But they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. So we have these weapons, these supernatural weapons. What are they? Well, Ephesians 5, he talks about the full armor of God. You can go and you can read that truth, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes that have been shod with the preparation of peace for the gospel, the helmet of salvation that keeps your thought life in order, and the shield of faith. Those are all supernatural weapons, prayer, fasting, seeking the Lord. All those are supernatural weapons, saying what God says, keeping your tongue from deceit. They are supernatural weapons that do not depend upon the volume or the cadence in which you use them. They only depend on one thing, the faith that you have when you deploy them. That's what they're for. And so we've got to learn that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not fleshly. You can't manipulate the devil. You have, to, you have to rebuke him. You have to speak the word into a situation. You have to bring the light into the darkness, right? And so we don't walk in the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. For our weapons, they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, a house of thought over people's life, a way of thinking, a way of seeing life. And some people see life, everything they see is negative. Some people overinflate life. Everything they see is super positive. You know, but uh, the pulling down of these strongholds so that people can see the reality of the truth that comes as we deploy the weapons of our warfare, those weapons I talked about in Ephesians 5. What else does it do? We cast down arguments. Just throw them to the ground. Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, we deal with. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So we have to monitor our thought life. We don't let those things come into our thought life that exalts itself over what Jesus can do. And we take that captive in obedience to Christ. So if we're going to seek peace and pursue it, we got to... Say what God says. We got to use the weapons of our warfare. Number three, if we're going to seek peace and pursuit, we've got to grow in Christ-like character and intimacy. This is at a short-term process. This is a lifelong process, a lifelong process. In fact, some of the warfare that you're dealing with now has been designed by the devil to kill, steal, and destroy, but it can be used by God to develop your character into Christ-likeness. Into Christ-likeness. Nothing is wasted in the kingdom of heaven. Even bad things can be redeemed and become new. And so, 
so if we're going to seek peace and pursue it, we got to grow in our intimacy with God, in our character of Christ. Colossians chapter 3 talks so much about this. Let me just share a few verses. Verse 12 says, as the elect of God, you are elect by God, holy and beloved, that's how God sees you, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. You can put this on like a robe. Just put it on. Kindness. Kindness. It says, I'm going to be kind. He said, take that robe of tender mercies. Put that on. Be tender towards people. Be merciful towards them. You know, uh, meekness. I have the power to do something here, but I'm going to lay it down. Forgiving one another. Bearing with one another, he says. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. And above all these things, he says, put on love. Put on love, which is the bond of perfection, which bonds us, brings us into perfection, is that bond of love. And the peace of God, he says, there's where we're talking about peace this week. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. What does that mean? That we've obtained this level of peace. You've pursued it. You've obtained it. It's living in your heart. Don't let anything else get above that level of peace. Don't let any circumstance, any situation, any relationship, any fight that you have, any pain that you have, don't let any of that get above that peace. Do not let the devil steal your peace. Hold on to it. How you do that? By letting the peace of God rule in your hearts. That when a situation comes up that you weren't expecting, that before you start talking, you monitor that peace. Let that peace begin to take over. Okay. I didn't expect this, but God is not caught off guard by it. We're going to get through this. Okay? And so let the word, he says, of Christ... Dwell in you richly with all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another in psalms and hymns. That is us living together in community, sharing psalms and hymns and life with one another, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. In the morning when you get up and walk down the hall to the kitchen and open up that pantry and pull out that big box of Cap'n Crunch, <laughs> why don't you just sing a little song to the Lord? Oh, Lord, good morning. <laughs> you know I have a terrible voice, but I got great praise for you this morning because you've given me another day. Just sing. Yeah. It'll make you start laughing. It'll change your whole day. It'll change your whole day. So he says, let there be spiritual songs and singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Don't let your motives be pure. And that is that you want what God wants. You want to agree with what God agrees with. You want to speak what it is that God is speaking. And you want to walk with him and be pleasant, pleasing to him, honorable to him. Even if it costs you, you want to live that, life, that way. So... The Word of God promises us peace. The peace comes with a condition. We've got to enter into warfare. And peace must be sought and pursued by saying what God says, by deploying God's 
supernatural, spiritual gifts, by growing in character and intimacy. And finally, the fourth one is by being vigilant, being vigilant. 1 Corinthians 16, 9 is what I started this message with. It says, for a great and effective door has been opened to me, and there are many adversaries. I love it that Paul doesn't just leave the readers of this letter wondering what they should do. He doesn't leave them in limbo just telling them, hey, there's going to be a lot of adversaries. In fact, four verses down the page, he tells them how to handle it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, he says, watch. Watch. Every one of us are the watchmen on the wall of our lives. You fathers and husbands, you are the watchmen on the walls of your family, of your children, of your marriage. We're watching. What are we watching? We're watching any kind of strategy that the enemy has to bring us into anxiety, worry, fear, depression, oppression, anger. We're watching for those little things that pop up in conversations, those things that pop up in your mind. Those things about we're looking for those. He said, watch. He says, the next thing is stand fast in the faith. We're not going to back down. We're not going to back out. We're not going to back up. We're not going to back off. We're going to stand strong in the faith. What does that mean? That means that we have our belief system anchored in the Word of God and the person of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to follow what it says and follow him who says it. And so we want to be those kinds and that kind of people. So watch, stand fast in the faith. Then he has two commands here. Be brave. There are moments in time where you're going to have to make a stand. Moments in time where you're going to have to declare what God declares. Say what it is that God says. Be brave in that moment. Put your trust wholly, completely in him. Because it is him who's empowered you to live a supernatural life. So be brave and be strong. It's time to get up out of the dust. Some of us have been laying in the dust too long. Just have just been a smooth road in which the enemy can roll right over. Stand up. Get out of the dust. Shake yourself off. Somebody has a song about that, right? Shake it off. Yeah. <laughs> Shake yourself off. Get that dust off of you. Make stand, you know with a posture of being erect and you're watching, you're looking. You're tired of getting run over. See, I think some of you would wish, well, why I wish, you know, Pastor Joe would come over to my house and pray for me. I'm not coming. <laughs> the reason I'm not coming is because I'm praying over my house. There's some things that you got to do that nobody else can do for you, right? And so you got to make a stand. Quit thinking, I sure wish he'd come over. I ain't coming. Just not, yeah, can't do it right now in my life. But, but Pastor Robert, we'll call him. He'll come. <laughs> so watch. Stand fast in the faith. Be brave. Be strong. Stand up. Quit quibbling. And I don't even know if that's a word, but don't do that. Quit crying. Quit thinking you're a victim. All You're not a victim. You're a victor. You got the creator of the universe living inside of you. What do you got to cry about? 
Be strong, be brave, and let all that you do be done with love. I mean, that's the thing right there, right? That's what God's teaching us about through all the stuff that we're going through. Will we love like God loves? Will we be an ambassador for him? Will we interject where he interjects? Will we say what he says? Will we believe what he says? Jesus is the Prince of Peace. His word promises us peace. He personally promises peace. But that peace has a condition. And the condition is you've got to seek and pursue peace. You've got to seek it. It's not just coming. You know, the angel's just not going to bring it and lay it on top of you. You've got to get up out of the dust, shake yourself off and say, Lord, I thank you that you promised me peace, and I, re I receive it now. And Jesus, I'm not going to lose it. I'm not going to let it be stolen from me. I'm making a stand. I'm going to be strong. I'm going to be brave. I'm going to let everything that I do be done with love. And this Christmas is not going to be like last Christmas. This Christmas, I got the peace of God on me, and I'm not letting somebody steal it from me. In Jesus' name. Do you believe that? That's what you declare. Would you stand up wherever you are right now? Stand up. Be vigilant. Be vigilant. Be vigilant. I sure love you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I love you guys. I appreciate you. I, I, I honor you today. I mean, you're living for Jesus. You're going for it. We just realize that we are in a war. And you have some things that you can do supernaturally that can bring peace in your life regardless of the war outside of it. Yeah. You get that word out and you begin to say what it says. Just say what it says. And you'll find a whole new level of peace for your life. If you let your two ears do twice the work of your one mouth, you're going to find a whole new level of peace. Quit cursing yourself. Quit saying bad stuff about yourself. Jesus, when he looks at you, he sees someone elect, holy, beloved. That's what he sees. So just agree with that. I didn't say you had to feel that. Just agree with it. If you'll start agreeing with it, then you'll start feeling with it eventually. But at some point, you've got to stand up, be strong, be brave, and say it even when you don't feel it. I thought that was going to stop the piano. <laughs> oh, boy, Jesus is coming right back. Take the hand of your neighbor, will you? Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you, God, that we have the opportunity, Lord, to stand strong, to be brave, to say what it is that the Word says, to say what God says. Thank you, Lord, that we are watchmen on the walls of our life. Thank you, Lord, that today we're climbing out of the dust and the dirt we're not going to let the devil use us as a smooth road. Lord, we're going to stand up. We're going to use those weapons of warfare and obtain the peace that we seek. Lord, we trust you and we love you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. God bless you. So great to see you. Thank you for joining us online today. May the Lord bless you this day in Jesus' name. Thank you. 
you'd like to dive deeper in today's message, go to trinitydallas.com forward slash sermons to receive your copy of the notes. If today's message encouraged you, do someone else a favor and share it with them. Also be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. A special shout out to all those who partner with us through their giving. Your contributions have enabled us to touch the lives of people in our community, as well as around the globe. Visit us at trinitydallas.com forward slash give to partner with what God is doing through Trinity Dallas. God bless.